a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Rebels and Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. This is our third quarantine episode. Fourth? Um, maybe fourth with the mini episode? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everything else in our lives, it is very <laughs> unclear exactly how much time has passed. Since yeah, I, I, I know that we recorded together at some point, but it seems like a distant memory. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, I am Brian. With me, as always, are Liz and Matt. Uh, we are here to talk about the second season of the Clone Wars because Liz is is marching her way through the Clone Wars on Disney Plus, and um, when we last spoke, Liz had said that you know the last few episodes of the season were sort of some of her favorites, the first season, and uh, you know she was warming up to the show more. Before we get into specifics, I'm interested, Liz, has the second season warmed you up even further? Indeed, it has. Okay, this is my uh, favorite yeah. season. Of the oh really? Yes, um, I really enjoyed this season quite a bit. Ooh, okay, uh, I, I enjoyed it as well. I even took notes. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. yeah, it, it is a very good season. I feel like this season is where you begin to see the scope of the galaxy a little bit, mm-hmm. and so that that's why I like it so much. You just your issues to these new characters or old characters coming back, and you're learning more about them. You get some good Cad Bane action. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in this in this season. Um, so I guess, how do we want to do this? We want to talk about. I I wrote down like maybe ten things I thought we should talk about. Ooh, uh, ten uh, things. I, I'm looking two, four, six, eight. Yeah, ten things. Um, okay. Sort of episodes I liked, or like you know, uh, just things worth discussing. But Liz, why don't you sort of steer this? Where do you want to start talking about stuff? All right. Well, I I guess, you know, overall, I did like season two much better than season one. Um, Mm -hmm. I I feel like Ahsoka got to do uh, many more cool things this season. Mm -hmm. She wasn't sort of hidden behind Anakin this season, which I enjoyed. Um, She got to do some cool stuff on her own. She's also less, uh, she's less little kid whiny this season. Yes. Yeah. Help. Definitely. Yeah, that was something I enjoyed. Um, (laughs) Also, I I feel like there were stories that were told over a series of episodes, Mm -hmm. Um, like the Mandalore plot. We got to know some characters better, like Duchess Satine, which I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I feel like that's what made season two stand out more to me as well. Even uh, at the end, baby Boba Fett. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. Kid, Kid Boba. Kid Boba. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think those are some things that made season two stand out to me, just sort of, you know, overall. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about... Hmm. Let's talk about Satine, since, since you brought her up, Liz. Um, I think that Satine is a really important character in the show, even if she didn't do that much, which she does a lot. I really like her character. But what she reveals about Obi-Wan, I think, mm. is really valuable to understanding Obi-Wan's reaction to finding out in Revenge of the Sith that um, that Anakin and Padme 
are a couple and that mm-hmm. he's the father of her children. Like, I think I even though there's no way you and McGregor knew that when he was acting in those scenes, I think the compassion he shows is really pretty remarkable for what we've seen the Jedi position to be on, you know, romantic relationships. And having seen his love for Satine and him saying, you know, he would have left the order for her that really puts into perspective sort of how much he struggled with his emotions. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's part of the reason why I did enjoy those episodes so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I like even how Anakin teased him. He was like, Oh, your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You're one to talk Anakin. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Matt, what do you think about Satine? I really like her character. I, um, it's striking to me, and as I was watching this, in Satine and the way that they kind of advance Ahsoka and um, the really great episode with Padme, um, is how well the TV show can have these strong female characters who don't need to act like a masculine character, can be feminine, strong, and important characters in a way that the movies struggle with. And I don't know if that's pacing or just the masculinity of Hollywood, but I think she really shows off the idea that she is the one in power, in charge. It's her realm that she rules. Um, in a way that I don't think you ever got from Leia on screen. Yeah. It's, I, I like that, Matt. That's a, that's a good point. And I, I feel like, within the clone wars i feel like these female characters sort of have more room to show i I guess who they really are um yeah i like that yeah i also go ahead sorry liz i was gonna say i also liked um there was some conflict between satine and obi-wan just in their views in these episodes as well the fact that she was a pacifist um and you know obi-wan was using I guess violence but in terms of being her protector and the fact that they fought over that but could still see eye to eye in other ways mm-hmm. yeah I think that this series specifically this this arc though the Mandalore plot it's the first time that you begin to see how sort of how politics work in the galaxy outside of like broad strokes of separatist bad republic good like you begin to see people having really divergent opinions on what the best way to proceed with certain actions are and they're explained in ways that are that are understandable to people who aren't necessarily versed in space politics right Mm -hmm. Um, i think that's really important for the show going forward yeah and i think mandalore in general the idea of their desire for neutrality their kind of turn towards pacifism, which is theoretically the the Jedi values and seeing how they really do put into contrast what the Jedi have become in this war, mm-hmm. um, which I think we talked about it before, is really maybe the most masterful piece of the Emperor's plan. Right. He pulls the Jedi from what they are supposed to be into what they have to become to protect everybody. Yeah. Or, or what they believe they have to become. Mm-hmm. Guess, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This Good also, point. I think this episode, or rather this season 
does a good job of showing you evil Palpatine. Like, one of the problems I have with the prequels in general is in episode one, Palpatine does almost nothing. In episode two, you sort of see him as a shadowy figure, but it's not until episode three where you really get a sense of just how evil this guy is. I mean, obviously we know because he's the Emperor, right? But, like, if you're watching it from the perspective of somebody who is living this, you don't really see his his evil intentions until pretty late in the trilogy, whereas here you're, you're seeing you know, pretty much all the time just how just how messed up this guy is. Yeah, in, yeah. in the season it really comes through. Towards the end of the season, not to really change from episodes, but there's one episode where... Um, Anakin and I think it was Mace Windu were on a planet and there was almost like a dragon-like being. It was the last of its kind. The Zillow Beast, yes. Yeah. Um, and they didn't want to kill it because it was the last of its kind and the Emperor wanted to capture it um, and wound up killing it. And that whole thing just it really exuded, I guess, helped it show how evil Palpatine is. It just... That episode for me was tough to watch and it really helped show how terrible he is Um, that was one of the things i wanted to talk about because i remember first watching those episodes and just being really amazed at the nuance of those episodes mm -hmm. star wars is not always the most subtle um, (laughs) uh, the most subtle property out there but just this idea of the jedi wanting to preserve this creature both because they don't want to kill anything but also because it is endangered and then, you know, Palpatine's reasoning for for not doing that. I just remember thinking, like, wow, this is this is far more nuanced than we usually get when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really stood out. Yeah. And and again, like that that's one of the things that I think the Clone Wars does really well that I need to keep reminding myself of watching the new season. Because I and Matt and I have talked about this. We've both felt like the new season was going to sort of be tying up loose threads from the first six seasons but it really seems to be kind of its own story and yeah. um but i think that the show does a really good job of not being super plot centric and allowing there to be episodes that go off and follow these endangered creatures we're never going to really see again or you know deal with this one Jedi whose maybe name gets mentioned in a film, but we've never met before. I like how the show really populates the galaxy with characters and with conflict. And uh, not all of that is in service of the overarching plot, which I think is, is a good thing. Even if, even if it can be a frustrating thing when you're ready to get back to the plot now and then. And that's mm-hmm. what I think is the most interesting part about this series, because it is a now what seven, right? seven um a seven um season series between two movies that in no way like branches the story between the movies but it more gives you a wider perspective of the universe and the people and the characters um which i i find really really interesting that in a way that some of the Marvel um, TV shows are like weird spinoffs and they touch in places to the movies, but they're so detached from it. These don't explain how we get from episode two to episode three, 
but it does explain the values of the Jedi. It explains just how evil the Emperor it is. It explains kind of the inner turmoil of Anakin, um, which I find interesting. And season two specifically, when I was watching it, realizing how in this season we're both introduced to a number of new important characters but also are able to round out a number of characters that we've seen on film in really enjoyable ways and Is how there one in particular they, in that latter category that you want to talk about um i the, for me it was the padme mm-hmm. it was very a character that i feel is very do nothing on screen um her biggest moments are you know consoling her soon to be lover about murdering a bunch of children um and then getting impregnated by him uh but this shows her to be a talented senator it shows her to be a brave like resistance leader that we're told she was but never actually saw and then boba fett continuing to be just one of the worst, worst characters in the <laughs> just, how, how is the prime bounty hunter just the worst at everything? We also, in for me, we see a villain who's successful, which is very, very anti-Star Wars. <laughs> is that Cad Bane? A Cad Bane. We see just how good he is at his job. I think him and um, what Benicio Del Toro's character mm-hmm. are some of the mm-hmm. only non-incompetent <laughs> villains we see. Huh. So that's kind of refreshing. I don't know if I'd call DJ a villain. True, true. I don't know. He's certainly he's certainly not a hero, but, you know, he's... Opportunist. Yeah, yeah. that's a good word for him. Yeah. He, he doesn't volunteer to pick up a bunch of children and murder them, so... <laughs> that is true. That is true. So let's talk about Cad Bane for a second. Uh, Matt, you, you're a longtime Cad Bane fan. I am. Is he the guy with the hat? Yes. He is the guy with the hat. Got it. Okay. He's also the guy rumored to be... Remember there was that episode of The Mandalorian where we saw like the feet of a bounty hunter but didn't see anything about them other than their feet? Do you know what I'm talking about? Hmm. It was the, the one... The desert episode. Yes. They're on Tatooine. Yes. Uh, it's at the end of the episode. It's with... Um, uh... Bobby Cannavale's son doing the terrible like Tony Danza impression. Uh, that episode. Yes. Um, at the end of the episode, we see someone's just like from the feet. We just basically see their feet, and a lot of people think it's Cad Bane. Ooh. So that would be interesting. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cad Bane is not only good at his job, but he's also. I feel like sometimes Star Wars, if they're not going to make a villain super ruthless they make him a comedy character uh see hondo as as an <laughs> example of that you know um and and they don't do that with cad bane he's a, he's a straight up badass no he he's shockingly evil i thought he came in later but they open um with him volunteering to round up children blowing up his own associate um, after gaslighting him, like it's a weird, <laughs> just how evil they let him be, um, cool. in a children's show. <laughs> yeah, those episodes were some of the first episodes I really liked. Mm-hmm. 
And I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, there are, there are stakes that are that are pretty serious. Yeah. One of the problems with any show or any media that exists outside of the main story, like if we're considering the films the main story, like one of the problems is you know Anakin's not going to drop dead in the middle of an episode, right? <laughs> That's so you, correct. So, so you have to find ways to build drama into those episodes. And I feel like those Cad Bane episodes, you're on the edge of your seat for a lot of them because you care about you care about the younglings, you care about just, you know, the action, even if you know the main characters aren't really in distress. True. Uh-huh. Yeah. They do a good job of having stakes that actually matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I am I am very curious to see if Cad Bane is going to be part of The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, ooh, now I'm excited. Yeah, they, I mean, they seem to be bringing back everybody for Season 2 if you listen to the internet rumors. So. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Darn internet rumors. Yeah. So we'll hmm. see. We'll see about that. But yeah. Um, all right. So let's see. We talked about Cad Bane. We talked about Satine. Uh, Matt mentioned Padme. I just had I just had written down here that you know this is the first time we see. I think it's the first time we see why Anakin would fall in love with Padme besides just her being good looking. <laughs> like <laughs> you begin to see a personality emerge from her, which is which is an important part of this. Uh, but you also, like you said, Matt, see sort of her skill as a politician, and you see where perhaps her daughter, although not raised by her, got some of her her uh, you know her her prowess from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. All right. So the one thing I wanted to bring up, Liz, and I, if I was not told this, I would never have known this. Ooh, and, okay. Um. Are you aware that one of the episodes from season two actually takes place in the middle of season three, and one of the episodes takes place before any of the other episodes? Wait, what? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm looking. I was looking at that. It, it's chronologically a mess. Yeah. So there's an episode. I'm not gonna be able to pull it off the top of my head, and I don't have it open right now. One of the episodes of the um, of the season. Mm-hmm. is actually the first chronologically in any of the Clone Wars stuff. Yeah, I'm looking to see. Yeah, Senate Murders comes place in, yeah, season three. Yes, yeah, Senate Murders, it takes place chronologically in the middle of season three. And, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Like, first of all, I don't think any of these stories are so clearly. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, that's we, yeah. We've seen other shows where there are clear yeah. Flash forwards to quote lost or like, you know, um flashbacks. And I don't think any of these episodes really uh really do that. I don't even know why Star Wars felt the need to tell people like, hey, just so you know, <laughs> this is this is hinting at something that you're not gonna see for another season. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It, hmm. yeah. It's I did not know that. Um, it's also, I think it's even more confusing because, and, and Matt was watching it when it was coming out, so it's he's much more aware of this than I am, but Cartoon Network has a terrible system of airing shows where mm. there will just be months without new episodes, without any explanation, <laughs> and then they'll put like three on in one weekend. Um, yeah. And they do this all the time with all of their shows. And so I could imagine that people watching The Clone Wars – they probably were happy a new episode was on and probably 
didn't even begin to consider that this might be a different timeline. You know, <laughs> it's, about... it's very, very bizarre. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt, having, having watched the show more than either Liz or I have, when you're watching them now, can you tell? No. No, I'm a, I was actually more confused about the timeline because I assumed things happened closer together. I didn't realize that we went to Mandalore this early. Right. Because there are there are storylines that work their way. Like season two really does set the groundwork for the rest of the series. Season one spent time wrapping up another series that doesn't even exist in the canon anymore. Right. <laughs> this really lays a lot of the groundwork. Um, so I was getting confused. I thought stories went further than they did. But I, even rewatching, didn't realize that these episodes were out of order because they're not really connected to anything. There was an article posted, let's call it 2014, maybe 2015, on the official Star Wars site that was the chronological order of the Clone Wars. And somebody made the argument that, like, this is the way you should watch them. And Mm. I don't think, now i got to find whichever episode was, was the first one. There's one, it's right around this time, where it's it's chronologically the first episode. and I The first episode in the series? In the entire series, yes. Cat and Mouse, the next episode. The one where um, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they're delivering supplies to the planet that is um, that Admiral Trench is on. <laughs> Bad Boy Trench. Yeah. So like, that episode... Um, technically is the prequel to all of the other episodes now why that needs to be the case i just don't know <laughs> i don't i don't yeah, know it doesn't seem to matter what i'm reading like some of the other pieces is that it fits into a more like thematic idea where the sith um start hiring bounty hunters to take care of some of their dirty work mm. so it works better if you're seeing i guess the bounty hunter stuff happening earlier. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I don't care for it. Um, but I do want to say, I do. I do like with that idea though, the, the, the set just uh, going aside with talking about Palpatine is we start to see his kind of all the irons in the fire strategy. Mm -hmm. When I think you and I have talked about this, Brian, where it's not so much that he's a mastermind, but he just has 8,000 plans laid out. (laughs) And some of them backfire. Some of them, you know, grow robot legs and try to kill him. Some of them work well. So it's not even like the Death Star is the plot. There's a thousand other things he does. And we see that maybe even in the end, it wasn't even the Death Star that was his greatest stroke. It was some of the more mystical era of things. So... I, I like his, you know, that, that's where he becomes much more like cartoon villain. Just has a right. list of 39 evil plans, just keeps checking them off. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I like that. Um, all right. What else is on my list here? I got weird timeline stuff. Zillow Beast talked about that. Uh, so this this season gives us the first look at Barris, who's uh, Ahsoka's friend uh, that we meet. Is that in the first arc of the episodes? It's towards the beginning-ish, yes. Barris becomes... The other Padawan, right? Yes. 
She becomes yeah. very important later on. Oh, all right. I don't want to say anything more than that. Um, but what did you think of her character, Liz? Um, I I liked her. Um, I I felt like I I sort of felt like they were almost introduced. I guess maybe this is the English teacher in me, but I felt like um, her and her master were sort of foils to um, <laughs> Anakin and Ahsoka because they listened to each other. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in some sense um <laughs> but i i liked her i thought she and uh ahsoka worked well together so i'm interested to see how uh how it turns out later on mm-hmm. yeah she's she's one of those characters that there would just be no time for in other media like she would never show up but you would never introduce that character in a film because it would take so much time to establish why she's there that you just don't have in a film. So that's one of the benefits of the series is it gives you time to do that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, I thought it was interesting. The episode that Varys was in when um, she and Ahsoka, they're buried. Um, and Anakin refuses to give up on Ahsoka in that episode. Um and then is it Luminara who's uh, her master? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And Luminara talks about how, you know, she's willing to let go of attachments and Anakin basically refuses is sort of indicative of, you know, what's going to happen later and just who Anakin is mm-hmm. just sort of some foreshadowing perhaps. Yeah. L- Luminara, a strange character in the canon of Star Wars she 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 is one of the voices that Ray hears. Really? Yeah. Huh. For some reason. She comes back in Rebels in a very interesting way. Um so she like touches a lot of the like storylines of Star Wars in a very gentle way. Um but is a very present figure for some reason i don't know if they're waiting to do more with her if they thought they did more with her than they have I'm not <laughs> entirely sure um but yeah hmm. yeah she's yeah. one of the voices and if you watched the um they did a recut of that scene for the i guess digital and blu-ray release where it's all the voices talking and you see the characters on screen the ones from the live action films at least mm-hmm um, so you get to see her on the Battle of Geonosis. So mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, she is a weirdly highlighted character. Huh. You know? um, yeah, I think it's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but certainly a uh but certainly a a fun I really enjoy how we're ha- I enjoy how we're seeing char- we're se- how can I put this? So uh, I'm going to reference Lost because that's what I do, right? But there's an episode called The Other 48 Days, I believe it's called. And it's basically, it's showing what happened to the people in the other, from the other part of the plane who crashed. And it sort of shows the alternate, like, the first 48 days is like the first season and a half of Lost. So it's showing kind of in one episode what happened on the other side of the island while we were watching our heroes do their thing. I think that characters like Luminara introduce hey there's a whole other story that can be told over here this very well could be the story of luminara and barris and their adventures but we only get to peek in on them for a few minutes here you know every now and then and i like that i like that the show 
builds up enough of these small characters that you just get a sense of you get a sense of the fact that not only is there a whole universe out there, but there's a universe worth of stories. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's so exciting about it. In a movie franchise that's focused on, you know, probably, what, 14, 15 people in total having the whole galaxy in their hands, we get to see that there's a lot of very important people doing important and interesting work. And, you know, it's exciting to see some new faces. Yeah, just the fact that there are so many Jedi out there and we get to see so many of them in action, even if it's only for an episode or two. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Kid Kid Adamundi. Yep. (laughs) So I can only think of as the Video Music Awards sketch. Um... (laughs) Wow. Of him. Hang on a second. Played by that, wait, um, wait, Matt, before Andy you say, Dick. Be, before you say that, Matt, I have to get out of scuba tank because it's such a deep dive. I don't know if I can do it with that, which is my natural <laughs> lungs. Say that again. There is a VMA. The Video Music Awards had a sketch where he was played by Andy Dick. <laughs> Why? It, <laughs> <laughs> I have to look this up later. I don't remember who else is in it. I'll I'll have to find it and share it. It is. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars VMA sketch Andy Dick. Yeah. Like a recent VMA? No, no. This is when. <laughs> yeah, well, it is Andy Dick. So I guess it can't be in theaters. So. Right. But it's one of those things that I think about a lot. <laughs> okay, Lisa Kudrow is the star of the parody. Oh, boy. Um, that's right, that's right. Okay, this will be in the show notes on multiversitycomics.com. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, go to multiversitycomics.com, and I will put a link to this in there. Um, <laughs> nice job, Matt. Yes. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I can't believe you pulled a VMA sketch out of your I ass. I know. Jeez. I can't look at his character without thinking of Andy Dick. That's a travesty. <laughs> that is a horrible existence you live, my friend. <laughs> you need to go to some sort of hypnotherapist to get that out of your mind. I hope he doesn't listen to this show and you're just Andy shit Dick? Talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I hope he does listen. Andy Dick, come on the show. We'll have you on. <laughs> well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll finish up our discussion of season two of The Clone Wars. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Well, we all just watched the Star Wars parody from uh, the VMAs. And uh, <laughs> it was from 1999. Uh, again, link in the show notes. Uh, it, the quality version we can find is, is terrible, but, you know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. It had, but, it had to be smuggled out. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. 
<laughs> very can, hard to find. You you can tell that they they spelled parody wrong. So Ooh. either this was a genius who knew that, that would avoid it being taken down, or someone who just thinks parody is spelled with an I E instead of a Y. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, a couple more things from season two of the Clone Wars I wanted to discuss. Uh, this is the first season that we also really get a sense of the clones as autonomous beings. We meet Cut, who was the clone who basically deserted and started a family. Uh, Liz, what did you think of Cut? Um, I I thought it was an interesting take. I didn't. It wasn't something I expected from the season. Um, you know, I thought the interaction between him and um, the other clone was interesting. Um, I, I didn't expect him to turn him in, and he didn't. Um, but it, it again, like we talked about before, it wasn't a place I expected. Um, you know star wars to go this season to go but i i enjoyed that episode that he decided he didn't want to fight that his destiny was preordained that he wanted to do something else that he wanted to have a family i liked it i liked that episode yeah matt would you say that sorry let's go ahead no i i like the chance that you know he said you know we're individuals he thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. i forget which clone was it rex that i think it's rex yeah yeah, that, you know, he thought it was interesting that Rex had a name, that he didn't have just a number, um, that he made the choice, you know, not to kill. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. I was going to say, Matt, is that, uh, I mean, that obviously foreshadows a lot in the future that we see, like, especially into Rebels of other, yeah, it does. you know, of other stuff. But um, do you think that the Clone Wars as a show went did enough of these type of clone episodes? Or would you have liked to have seen more with these clones? I I would have liked to see more, um, and not in the way we saw in season seven, but more of these like stories of their struggles of finding individuality in this real. There's this disconnect between what the war means for them and what it means for the Jedi, and I think that's what I like kind of the most about it is this struggle to understand why the clones even exist, what their purpose is. Are they individuals? Are they just that much better than droids, which they show not really to be. Um, But this kind of them grappling with what their existence means, even why they exist is interesting. Um, But it's something that even rewatching, I think about. Like, why did they go through the trouble of making all of these clones? It seems almost a cruel use of lives. Maybe that's part of it, is the cruelty of it um, from the Sith mega plan. I don't know. Um, But seeing them kind of struggle with that, too. Yeah, we do see it continue through, but I would have liked to see more. And I think we might. um, Are there any novels from the clones perspective? You're kind of the book guy. Yeah, I don't think there are, at least not in the new canon. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get more novels, comics, etc. set during this time eventually. Yeah. We've we talked about this before, how I think that Star Wars is reluctant to do too much with characters that they might want to introduce into films later or, or bring back. Like, you know, so you're not going to see a ton of race stuff out there, right? You're not going to see a ton yeah. of Poe stuff. but. I don't think there's any harm in going back and doing, um, you know, doing some uh, some clone stuff later. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's let's see. What else do we need to go through here? Um Uh, we, we get sort of some stuff that that eventually will will play into the Mandalorian with Death Watch and just sort of the the culture of Mandalore, but obviously mm-hmm. this culture seems very different than the Mandalorian culture that we see in the show. Yeah, uh, Liz, what did you think of the Mandalorian stuff? Um, I I, I thought it, sorry, I just lost my train of thought here. I was thinking about something else. That's okay. Um. <laughs> Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. You're still thinking about that Andy Dick sketch. I am. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm just thinking about Andy Dick. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting, and I try to think about it in terms of, uh, you know, the Mandalorian as well and what we saw in terms of that show um, and how it reconciled with, um, you know, what's going on with the new TV show as well, if it matched up at all. Sure. Um and, you know, if we're going to see anything else in future seasons of Clone Wars in terms of Mandalore and Death Watch. You will. Uh, that, okay. is, that is something that, that becomes important. But we did see the Darksaber. Yes, you did see the Darksaber. So now now you have some sense of the Darksaber beyond yes. just being the thing that uh, Moff Gideon holds up at the end of uh, the last episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. so I feel like I had some uh, yeah background there. Yeah. I guess the last thing I wanted to discuss was young Boba Fett a little bit. Um, I guess my biggest question is why? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I didn't know. even expect when, when the that episode started and they were the young uh, clones. I didn't even expect it to be young Boba Fett. And I felt then I felt like an idiot. But I guess, again, yeah, it was like the why. Why is it young Boba Fett? I don't know. It, this, Boba, this constant Boba Fett fan service. But because he's a villain, he can't ever really be, like, competent. So he just ends up being this bumbling fool every single time we see him. And this isn't any different. Yeah, I guess he has the excuse of being a kid here, at least. That's true. Rather than getting beaten up by a blind um, (laughs) day one Jedi in the comics. (laughs) When him and Luke fight on Tatooine, yeah, and that's somehow canon too now. Like, or or just you know, just being literally fed to the belly of a beast because he's he's hit from behind by a by a temporarily blind man. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, yeah. Just fly flies into the side of a <laughs> barge, but yeah, I there's this constant. Um, overuse of him um and obviously we can't use Django fett who seems like maybe a slightly more interesting iteration maybe. um i don't know our thing is cool though yeah yeah she was cool i the fact that i i did feel a little sympathy for boba the fact that then you know he was sort of you know left his father was killed and then his mentor abandoned him as well she just ditched him and left him <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah it but it didn't really seem necessary no there there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff with boba that just feels totally unnecessary so 
Well, anything else to say about yeah. the second season of the Clone Wars? Um, I, I feel like frequently the, I, this, you know, I, I think maybe in the movies as well, but frequently the Jedi's compassion is used against them, and Palpatine seems to be real good at doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that the show continues. Like I mentioned the season two is my favorite season. I don't think that the quality dips much from here. I just like, I love world building, and this is the most world building of the seasons. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get to season three with you eventually. All yeah, right. I can see that. Yeah, because yeah, cause I'm, I'm like looking through season three real quick right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just keeps building on the groundwork, like we said, from season two. Well, then I'm excited, too. Yeah. Oh, and then an episode that links directly to season seven. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Look at that. Yeah. So no spoilers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a few weeks. We're also going to be doing another uh, book club episode. So we're going to encourage all of our listeners to seek out the book Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It was the first Star Wars novel. It was intended to be a low-budget sequel to Star Wars. If Star Wars was a small hit, but not the global sensation it became so um i don't know if that'll be for next time or two episodes from now but start reading splinter of the mind's eye and we'll come back to talk about it soon um as always you can find us at multiversitycomics.com every two weeks with an episode and um we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk either about the clone wars or about splinter of the mind's eye or about who knows maybe maybe some interesting news will break when we're uh, when we're all in quarantine still. True. So uh, remember, until next time, the force will be with you. Always.